0: Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life.
1: It's a wonderful thing when you reach a point in your career where you receive additional compensation like stock options. It may be for performance or as part of a package when you're promoted to an executive role. And it's generally a good thing, but not all stock grants are created equally. I'm Patrice Sikora with Foster & Motley's Joe Patterson, who can explain some of the differences and the pros and cons. So Joe, let's start with, uh, what's the motive for a company to give employees stock in the first place?
2: Yeah, great question, Patrice. Stock compensation, executive compensation, we're kind of lump all these together and talk about the differences in a moment. But the idea is, Let's reward people who are higher performing employees or executives in a way that gives them additional compensation, but there's also a carrot that encourages this particular high performing employee to stay with the company longer term. So the company comes to you and says, hey, here's a promotion or hey, you're doing a great job. We pay you your salary. We probably pay you a bonus, a cash bonus on an annual basis or a quarterly basis, depending on performance incentives here's some additional compensation but you're probably gonna have to stick around a few years to get all of that additional compensation
1: how long is it usually you say a couple of years like two three four
2: yeah so the idea is I give you an award let's say today and those awards can take a few types so let's start with the easy one the easy one is is a cash deferred comp award so I might say, hey, great job. Here's $60,000 in an executive award, but you have to stick around to get it. So whether it's a cash award or a stock award, it typically comes with what we call a vesting period. Mm -hmm. Uh, you You might be familiar with vesting from your 401k and employer profit sharing plan. You have to be there a certain amount of time to get all of the awards or to get fully vested in the plan. So in my 60000 example, you might get that over three years. So instead of getting a $60,000 bonus now, you're going to earn $20,000 next year, another twenty dollars the following year, and another twenty dollars in the third year. So that's a typical arrangement for this type of compensation, and it's also true for stock awards. You might get an award of stock today, but you don't actually get it today. You get it in the next few years. So the idea is... If you think about doing this over multiple years, you're receiving multiple layers of awards mm-hmm. and your employer is increasing your, uh, hopefully your desire to stick around longer by virtue of you've got these awards piling up, so to speak. They come due each year, you get the cash or in some cases the stock, and then, then your compensation increases, right? But it doesn't all happen at once.
1: You're mentioning stock here, stock options. What is restricted stock?
2: Yeah, so we can define two key buckets for these types of awards. We talked about cash. That's easy, right? Everybody knows how cash works. You get it now or you get it later. You pay tax on the amount you receive when you get it. So stock awards can come in a few different forms. Um, Probably stock options is the one people might hear the most. That's actually becoming a little less common than some other stock awards like restricted stock. So restricted stock is only restricted in that you don't fully own it yet. So let's take my previous example of, hey, good job employee. Here's an award of 100 shares of stock of the company that you work for. So we're probably in most cases talking about a publicly traded company. Um, we'll pick P&G because we're in Cincinnati and that's a Company everybody knows. So hey, good, great job! Here's an award of 100 shares of restricted stock of Procter and Gamble. You're going to get those over a four-year vesting period. So equally over four years, you're going to get 25 shares per year, starting in 2024, one year from now. When you get that first award of 25 shares you will pay tax at that time. So if I get this award today and I don't actually get any shares, I don't pay tax. So that's one item to note. Uh, Whenever we're talking about these awards that vest over a period of time, you're likely not paying any tax upfront. So in my example, if you get that restricted stock over the next four years, 25 shares a year, you take 25 shares times the price of P&G on the day you get that stock, and that's going to be reported to you as earned income on your W 2. So if PNG was at 100, which it's not, it's higher today. But if it was 100, I'd get $2,500 a year from now. That goes on my W 2. And then once that transaction happens, I leave with, depending on how the taxes are handled, 25 shares or less of PG. Now, most cases, if you get 25 shares of PNG and you're in $2,500, in my example, the company will often sell shares immediately of my stock that I just received in order to withhold money for taxes. And that's probably what you want to have happen. Unless you have a strong desire to hold on to all those shares, it's probably easiest to treat those shares as you do any other compensation on your payroll. So you would still end up with shares of P&G, but it would be less. It'd be 25, less, whatever your withholding rates are for your personal situation. So maybe you leave with 17 shares of P&G instead of 25.
1: Okay. Now, how does that differ from stock options?
2: Yeah, so stock options. And when we talk about all these types of stock awards, the idea, right or wrong, is that you participate in the success of the company. So if the price of the stock goes higher then when you receive the award, that's ideal, right? If you get restricted stock and the price is the same or lower in a year from now, you will still get that stock. So Mm -hmm. if P&G is $100 a share now and it's $80 in a year, you're still going to get your 25 shares. It's just going to be worth less than Mm -hmm. you thought it would be, right? So that's an important point to note because a stock option is the option to buy a stock at a certain price. So you have this idea in play called leverage, and leverage means that if the price of P&G goes up 10%, let's say, then the value of your stock option goes up quite a bit more than 10%. So if I get, take my 100 shares example, I got 100 stock options for P&G I have a grant price, which is the price of P&G on the day I received the award. So let's say it's $100. Mm-hmm. I am hoping that the price of P&G appreciates. Because in a year from now, if it's 10% higher, I have the right to buy, depending on how many shares I have vested. I have the right to buy shares of P&G at $100 even if the price of PNG is higher. So that's the option piece, right? So if I have 100 shares, we'll stick with my 100 example, and they all vest in a year, and PNG goes to $110, right? I've got $10 of appreciation. So I can buy those shares for $100, right? Then mm-hmm. I can turn around and sell them for whatever the fair market value is on that day. So I happen to have... A thousand dollars of profit in my example, right? Ten times a hundred. So, the typically, if you elect, and that's it's a it's good to know because sometimes the company will come to you and say, "Hey, you can pick the type of reward you want. You can pick restricted shares. You can pick stock options." So, if you elect a hundred shares of restricted stock, that's probably the the safer option, so to speak, because you know what you're going to get. Even if the price goes down, you're going to get something. But they might say, "Hey, you can take 100 shares of restricted stock, or you take a thousand stock options," with the idea that you're betting on this success of the company, and you know the success of the company and the stock price are not always the same thing, as as we know as investors, right? So P and G could be doing very well, and we could have a cruddy stock market. <laughs> and that sort of wipes out a year or two of good performance just because we're in a down market. So so those are different things to think about. But as I mentioned earlier, stock options are actually becoming less favored uh, than stock awards. So that's just been a trend that's kind of happened over the last 5, 10, 15 years in executive compensation is less stock options and more stock awards. And restricted stock, we can use interchangeably with restricted stock award, restricted stock share, restricted stock unit, mm-hmm. stock appreciation rights. Those are all variations of the same thing, which is you know, the price goes up or goes down and you're rewarded accordingly as an employee.
1: I did not realize that some companies give the employee the option to choose the type of award they want.
2: Yeah, that is not every company, right? But some right. do. So that probably speaks to your risk tolerance more than anything, right? If you want to know you're going to get something, then a restricted stock award or unit is probably the better option. If you want to favor upside, knowing that the risk is potentially you get nothing, right? Because if you have a share, a stock option that's granted at $100, And then the next four years, the stock never goes above $100. Your stock options are going to not be worth any money you know, over the next however many years. Now, stock options also typically come with an expiration date. So even if P&G isn't worth $100, in my example, in the next few years, typically those awards have a 10-year expiration period. So that would, again, kind of go back to you as an employee and say, okay, well, is this a place I'm going to stick around for a while or is this a stop along the way? because that 10-year expiration period may be valuable, it may be meaningless. If you leave, that typically goes away unless you're retiring from the company.
1: You mentioned taxes briefly. Why don't you give us a a quick roundup on how you're taxed, when you're taxed on the different options here?
2: Yeah. So the taxation of these awards, you just keep in your mind that Nearly all cases, this is payroll. This is this is money that's subject to, you know, FICA tax, right? Social Security and Medicare. It will be handled through payroll. You should have tax withheld because this will be treated as earned income, just like your salary. The key is, of course, with restricted shares. You know when you're going to get the income because if I get 100 shares at best over four years, I'm getting 25 shares a year on the date that each 25 shares is vested right right that's when the income hits so that's relatively easy to plan for i mean you know there's variations in the stock price but you'll know for sure that if you're still employed by the company you know a year from when you got the award or 2 years or 3 years when they vest you're going to get that income it's going to go through your payroll you should have tax withheld you should likely have shares sold to pay for the tax. So that's a good point as a sidebar. When you receive shares of restricted stock, you pay tax on the full market value of the shares at the time you receive them. So then then it's as though you own shares you just bought, right? So you would have 25 shares of P&G with a cost basis of whatever the price was on the day you got those shares. No different than if you went out into the market and took cash and bought P and G. So if you decide to hold those shares, which most folks do, then you've got a new time period that starts on the day you bought them, just like if you bought a stock. So if I hold P and G shares, even if I take some of them and sell them for tax purposes, I own shares. If those shares go up in value then right. and I sell them, then I will pay a capital gain. If that's less than a year that I own the shares, I'll pay a short-term capital gain. So you're thinking about a different tax implication once you receive the restricted shares and you own them. Then they're deposited into a brokerage account. And at that point, those shares look no different and are treated no differently than shares if you just bought them, like I said, on the open market. A lot of
1: moving wheels here i'm moving that. wheels. <laughs> tell me, tell me how the folks at Foster and Motley can help out.
2: Yeah, so like all of our clients, we sit down and look at the different awards on the front end, right? So there's front end of okay, how do you, how do you want to accept these awards if you have that option? Now, many cases you don't. So then we think about tax planning, right? Uh, because it's good to have additional income. With additional income comes additional income tax, and that's a good problem. We like those problems, but (laughs) it's good to be on top of that. And we should touch real quickly on the stock option tax, because you do have the ability to some degree or large degree to control when you exercise a stock option. Now, some companies, if the stock doesn't move favorably in your direction, meaning it doesn't appreciate, then you have no tax implication, because you're not going to exercise the stock. If the stock price is below the price, what we call the grant price, when you receive this shares, the award, then it's considered underwater. right So you can't exercise a stock option, or at least you shouldn't exercise a stock option if it's underwater, because why would you buy a stock for a higher price than you could pay on right. the open market? market? But the flip side is true. There are potentially some opportunities for Planning for tax purposes. And the most common one we see is folks who retire from a company at the executive level who have received ongoing high compensation and are, you know, at or well into top marginal income tax brackets. So if they have options that are going to stay with them as part of their retirement package, which is often the case for someone who meets the qualifications of a quote, retired employee, they may have many years to exercise those options. That's true of folks who retire from Procter & Gamble and meet the definitions of retirement. They have that 10-year run period from when they got the option. So what we often do is say, okay, the years after you retire and you're not earning your salary are now much more interesting years to exercise stock options, assuming they have value uh, versus your final working years when you've earned your, when you're earning your highest income rates, those stock options are going to be taxed at the highest marginal rates. Whereas the year after you retire and you're not working, perhaps we're talking about exercising those options at much more favorable tax rates. So that's one planning opportunity that arises is thinking about the timing of exercising stock options. And for some folks who are subject to insider trading restrictions, and we have a few of those folks who work with as well, they may not be able to sell shares, even restricted shares that they own in their own brokerage account while they're working due to trading restrictions, blackout windows. When they retire and leave the company, often those restrictions go away. So it allows us to be a little more timely and plan out the sale of company shares that they've owned for a while.
1: Joe, this is all fascinating and it is a good problem to have, very good problem to have. So how can someone reach you if they have this problem?
2: Yeah, as always, you can find us on the internet, com. Feel free to reach out at our toll free number 1-800-532-2962. We'd love to talk to you.
1: This episode is one of the many available to you from Foster and Motley. Follow the podcast to find them all. And if you do find them helpful, share with friends. Also, let us know what you think. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.